If we're going to follow Christ, we can expect there'll be some sacrifice. It won't be easy. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to add to that. Paul certainly showed through his life that he was the real deal. And we want to follow men like this. We want to follow women like this. We want to be men and women like this. To be willing to pay the price for the sake of what? For the sake of salvation and people getting saved. You know, it it requires a lot of sacrifice on our part, us as a church, in order to radically reach our community, in order to be real, in order to pay the price. You know, Jesus talked about if you're going to follow me, you need to learn how to count the cost. This is amazing grace. Whether you're training to become a professional athlete or going to school to become a doctor, we expect there to be some measure of sacrifice involved. And so it is with the Christian life and ministry, but perhaps more than you realize. Today on Abounding Grace, we notice the great sacrifice that came with being an apostle. And it's a reminder to us of the great cost attached to ministry. Pastor Ed Taylor opened 2 Corinthians 11 on this Monday, and if we had to sum up the latter half of the chapter in a word, it would be sacrifice. As we recall the Apostle Paul's spiritual resume, you'll quickly realize sacrifice and difficulty were a big part of it. Paul, verse 24, says that he received from the Jews five times these 40 stripes minus one. He received from the Jews and the Romans 40 blows, Deuteronomy chapter 25 says. 40 blows he may give him and no more, lest he should exceed this and beat him with many blows above these, and your brother be humiliated in your sight. You know, the leading rabbis of the day restricted the number of stripes you could give to 39. That was 40 minus 1. They did this. Some would look at it and say, well, they did it to be merciful. And indeed, I'm sure some did. But some, they did it so that because of fear that they might be miscounted and be more, and be exceeded, and thus disobedient. Paul was in prisons, it says, like in Philippi in Acts 16. He would face death, like in Lystra in Acts chapter 14, more than anyone. In verse 25, it says, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Now, marijuana wasn't legal uh, for him. That's not what he's referring to. I was stoned. They literally, they literally picked up rocks as big as they could carry and tried to kill him. Lystra for sure is a reference to this in Acts chapter 14. He says not only was he stoned, but three times he was shipwrecked. So you don't want to get on a ship with Paul. You want to get on the ship? Is Paul on the ship? Yes, I'm out of here. You know, I'll take the next one. It just faced him. And we know at the end of the book of Acts, we find him shipwrecked. He would often use shipwreck as a picture of somebody stumbling in their faith. He says, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In verse 26, he speaks of these journeys, perilous waters, robbers, countrymen hate the Jews hated him, the Gentiles hated him, the city mobs came after him. He was in the wilderness running on his own, in the sea, he was sailing lonely, and he was 
chased after by false brethren, people that he thought he could trust, turned on him. Eight different perils. Another word for peril you could write next to it, danger. All these dangers that he faced. It's the same word that Paul used in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, talking about who will separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril. He knows what he's talking about. And, and oftentimes, as a young person, or not so young, just maybe young in the faith, or just gets people that, that have this desire to, to what they would say, I want to be in the ministry. And there's a lot of different definitions of what that means to people. Some, mean, some are saying they want to get into full-time ministry. They want, to, they, they want to study. They want to become a pastor, maybe plant a church or, or support a pastor on staff. Or, you know, it's a young person who just got saved. And I just see, man, I just want to get in the ministry. I just want to serve. I, I'll, I'll often take them here and I say, is that really what you want? Do you really want to be in the ministry? Well, yeah, because in their mind, they, they think it's all prestige. They, they, they think, man, that's, it's easy they think that it's very little problems. They think that, man, I mean, they look at me and they go, what does that guy do? He's here for an hour and what does he do the rest of the week? Well, I can't certainly write what Paul did, but I understand perils and difficulties over the 20 plus years of serving the Lord. And I'll say, is this really what you want? Do you want, do you want to follow in the footsteps of, of Paul? Do you want to follow in the footsteps of every single apostle with the exception of John, although he was given, he was thrown onto the island of Patmos, and the exception of Judas who killed himself? They, they ended their lives in martyrs' deaths. They were, that means they were killed viciously and violently for their faith. Now, whether in our generation we ever see that in this country or not, I don't know. But it's certainly a possibility because our brothers and sisters around the world face this every single day. It's not an easy thing to serve the Lord. Now, we may never face everything that Paul faced, but if you have chosen in your heart and to agree with God that the calling of God is upon you, then you need to understand you're not going, it's not going to be easy. I don't know exactly how hard it's going to be for you, but one or many of these things are things you're going to face because ministering and serving with people, especially in the mess of difficulties and sin, is very, very hard. And you're going to have brethren that were with you once and then they turn on you. You're going to have your own countrymen, or as Jesus said, your own family perhaps. You have people like Paul faced, in, or like the church faced in Corinth that want to take advantage of you, want to hurt you, want to put you down. They, you're going to have slander and gossip being spoken about you. You're going to have unrealistic expectations laid upon you. If, you're a, if you have a family and you have kids, then all kinds of things are going to come in spiritual warfare with your kids. It's going to happen among people. It's going to happen in the spiritual realm. It's going to happen. It's a high calling of God. Paul says, man, I faced all these things. I faced all these things. You know, all of these perils, they add to something that I don't know that is emphasized enough among those that serve the Lord. And that is all of these dangers and perils, I think you would agree with me that they would lead to a stress-filled life, wouldn't you? That sounds pretty stressful to you. I mean, that's something that we all face Ministry will raise the level of stress. And stress is very, very dangerous to the body physically. You know, you add to that his, in verse 27, his weariness. You add to all this his toil, his lack of sleep, his lack of eating, the fact that he's not drinking, he's thirsty. The fact that he adds to that, the spiritual discipline of fasting, that he's cold and naked, it's enough to destroy a man from the inside and the out. But here he is, Paul, alive, standing strong, 
safe, secure, competent. Stress affects the mind and the body and impacts our overall health and well-being. And research has told us that unmanaged stress can lead to an increased risk of both mental and physical problems such as infection, illness, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, as well as depressive and anxiety disorders. More than half of all adult deaths up to the age 65 have been attributed to the result of a stressful lifestyle. Over 30% of adults experience enough daily stress to impact their performance at home or at work. Annually, over $800 million are spent on anti-anxiety pills, and the U.S. accounts for 5% of the world's population, but consumes 33% of those pills. Stress. More people visit doctors for anxiety than for colds, and anxiety is now more common than depression. Anxiety is a predisposing factor to major depression and even suicide attempts. And you look at all the various parts of your life, how easily stress can be increased. And besides all that, for Paul, besides all that, he says in verse 28, the things that come upon him daily, his deep concern for all the churches. In his commentary, Alan Redpath writes it this way. I could not possibly convey to you adequately in the English language the force of that statement. I tried to picture it in terms of being smothered under a blanket or being attacked and crushed by some great animal. For he could not have used a stronger word when he said in effect, and I quote, that which bears me down, that which is upon me as an intolerable load, that which is a burden, that which is something that I can never shake off day or night, it is with me always, I have no vacation for it ever, it is upon me daily, the care, the compassion, and the concern of all the churches." And you ask any true pastor and any pastor here and many, many, many of the lay leaders that if we had more resources, they would be pastors serving full-time on staff. You ask them if they have a daily concern for the church, if it's one of the last things they think of before they go to sleep, if they don't dream about it, and when they wake up as they're praying, the concern of the church. We started one of our discipleship on Wednesdays. We have our staff meeting, and then we have our pastor's meeting, then we have our intern's meeting. And during our pastor's meeting, Pastor Matt shared with us how he, some of the tools that he uses to help remember people. Because that's a high priority for us. We want to remember. We are charged as the pastoral team and as the ministry care and all the leaders here with taking care of the flock. It's not a job where we're taking attendance. It's a position where we have the privilege of knowing what's going on in your life. Uh, if, we've, if we've presided and had the privilege of overseeing your funeral, a uh, funeral of someone in your family or a, a wedding in your family, or we've had the opportunity to serve in your marriage or minister to your kids, those are all opportunities to be a part of your life forever. We have people that have been with us all through the years that have been scattered, some of them throughout churches here in the metro area, uh, some of them around the world. We have missionaries, people that are, are serving, planning churches. We, we're always connected. And it's, it's something, so as we're going down the list of Pastor Matt, you go boom, boom, and we're all talking. The whole whiteboard was filled of ways that we remember and, and how we are trained to remember. For example, one of the ways um, that is, one of the ways that we remember is, as I showed everybody, that I have, um, I have in my Bible these post-it notes here. And sometimes you even see me writing things down. If I'm standing up here or even on the pulpit, what is that guy writing down? I'm writing something down that I don't forget. 
So maybe it was somebody I talked to or somebody that needs to be prayed for. Or here I've got a brother that I met last week that needs, uh, that we got connected with someone, has an email address, has his name, what he's struggling with, that he's wrestling with, what's happening in his family. So I don't forget. And so I have it here and then I file it away in a, in a system that I won't forget. And even if I do forget, I still have it so it'll remind me so I won't forget. Now, as we go through, you know, all the things that we, everybody that offered something, uh, it, it made this, hey, my deep concern for the church. It's not like we just turn it off. You can't just turn it off. So you're just like going through and you're like, you, you're, you know, one of the other ones was, you know, in our, in our phone book, in our, we don't call it a phone book anymore. What do you call it? Contact list in your phone. You're scanning through and you're going to call someone, but, but then you put someone in your phone book because if you scan to that person, but the person above, you go, you know, I haven't seen them in a while. I don't know how they're doing. And you give them a call and you go, hey, how you been? Haven't seen you around. And, you know, it's second service. You usually sit here. And they go, oh, no, no, I go to Saturday nights now because we're doing this outreach downtown. And you go, oh, it's good to know because we want to care for everyone. So it was amazing to me all the different tools and techniques that we use in order to remember and care for the flock. Deep concern. Not just our church, but when I read, it's not just, I'm not just concerned. We're not just concerned for our church, but just like Paul in verse 28, for all the churches, you know, if something happens really, really good in a church in our city, we get to rejoice with them. It's a good thing. You know, if some new building or some church is just growing like crazy or lots of salvations and baptisms or some great outreach, we say, amen. That's awesome. They're reaching our city. This is where we live. God's using them in a different way or in the same way or whatever. A pastor gets a new, you know, a church gets a new pastor or some great thing. We rejoice. And you know, when a church suffers in our town, that concerns us. If a pastor, if I hear of a pastor falling, you know, that breaks my heart. We don't rejoice in that. We're concerned about that church because we know the enemy can use that to stir up strife and cause division and hurt a bunch of people. And so whether it's the concern for the church when things are going well or concern for the churches in our city that are, are not doing well, with all of the things that Paul mentions, he also says, you know what? Besides all that, I really, really care for the church. My life is dedicated to serving the church. If I look through this list, I see one word, one word that covers this whole section. It's the word sacrifice. Paul paid a price. And here, if you ever wonder what, it, you know, we ask you to pray for your pastors. We ask you to pray for pastors in the city. This is what you're praying for. I know we're not going to go through these exact same things. But if we wrote out a list, we go, no, I've been through that a lot. Been through that a lot. It's been there a lot. Especially those, those that are planting churches. Especially those that have left our congregation and went out to plant churches. It's not easy. It's a battle. You know, the culture around us is changing. Have you noticed? Christians are, and, and believers in churches are not seen in a favorable light. I think the last report that I saw is that pastors are the third least liked people. The third least liked and respected profession now. Number three on the list. I'm not going to give you number two, number one and number two, because it really doesn't matter. Pastors aren't respected anymore. They're seen as, and you fill in the blanks. On top of all this, that's our culture. That's our culture. The pastors that are there with you when you're in the hospital or as today we were at the hospice with the family. Man, you need to pray for your pastors. It's not an easy position. It's not an easy place. You have, I, I tell the young guys that are interning, you have to be called. If you're not called, you won't make it. You've got to be called. 
I would say that's true in anything, what you're, what you're called. You want to be where God has called you to be. So what does Paul do in verse 29? He says, who is weak that I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble that I don't burn with indignation? But if I must, if I must boast, I'll boast in the things that concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. This was an esteemed man of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was let down out of the city to escape in a basket. He says, I'm going to boast. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. It's impossible to read through this list without being humbled as we look at our own lives and admire Paul's courage. Each trial left a mark on his life, but victory marked others. Paul certainly showed through his life that he was the real deal, and we want to follow men like this. We want to follow women like this. We want to be men and women like this, to be willing to pay the price for the sake of what? For the sake of salvation and people getting saved. You know, it it requires a lot of sacrifice, on our part, us as a church, in order to radically reach our community, in order to be real, in order to pay the price. You know, Jesus talked about, if you're going to follow me, you need to learn how to count the cost. Count the cost. Look ahead. Recognize what it's going to take, the kind of investment of time and resources and all that it is in your life. Are you truly a doulos? You see now how how it comes together. It's not just a part of your ear who has your ear. That's just a part of the picture. The real picture is, do you realize that you do not belong to yourself anymore? You have been bought with a price. And, and you know, the first time a, a robber shows up, you want to get out. The first time there's peril. You know, imagine, I, I would just say, okay, you have a call to the ministry, you want to say, yes. Well, you are going to face in the next six months eight very, very dangerous, difficult things. Eight. Eight. Well, wait a minute, that's six months, eight? That's like more than one a month. I know. Well, which month am I going to get two? We're not telling you. It could be the first week you get all eight. And then the rest of the six months, you're living out the pain and the difficulty and the consequences of all the things that you faced. Why? For Jesus' name. Paul didn't bring this upon himself. He, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was perfectly content with his life, destroying the church. He had the permission of all the religious rulers. He had money and resources. He had everything that he needed in life. You could say that he was successful in his career, that he was at a place where it's going to be fine. He was at a place where he was moving up on the corporate ladder. He was taking advantage, and he was going to be strong, and he did it all in God's name until Jesus met him and said, no, 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 I've got better plans for you. I want to take that energy, and I want to take that effort, and I want to take everything that's in there, and I'm going to change you from the inside out, Paul, and your personality is going to be the same, but I'm going to use you in a way that's going to build the kingdom. And let me just tell you, let me go, let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Let's just be reminded that in everything in 2 Corinthians was not a surprise to Paul. And neither should it be a surprise to us. It's not a surprise, even though it may hit you that way. It's not that you won't be surprised. But notice, uh, let's pick up in verse 10, Acts chapter 9. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias! And he said, Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. 
and acquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, listen carefully. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is no surprise. By the time we get to 2 Corinthians, Paul's been shown many things he must suffer for the name of Jesus. And I'm encouraged because at the end of chapter 11, the letter doesn't end. Paul doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't quit. He doesn't say, forget this. This is too much. It's, this is not what I signed up for. What Any other things that would be a natural, normal response. But instead, he embraces his calling. He boasts in his weakness. And he finds great strength in the calling and the chosenness of his life. And you'll find as you read through the end of 2 Corinthians, we'll be there in the next couple of weeks, that, that he even plans to go to Corinth. He's not just going to write him a letter. He's going to take his chances with all those guys against him there. And he's going to go and very personally share his love with the church, no matter what they choose to do to him. He wants to come and he wants them to be ready for his next visit. And that's just the kind of guy, you know, I want to be. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. I want to be so committed that all these perils and stress and all the other things that we just cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and he'll be right back to finish up today's message, A Typical Spiritual Resume. By the way, you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Look for our quick links, and you'll discover you can now listen to our programs anytime you'd like. We also offer a free podcast, too. You can read Pastor Ed's blog there as well. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry, and there's a place to contact us, too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the new website and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present God's abounding grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. I don't have to remind you that we're living in a racially divided nation. You may have heard it said, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America today. Pastor Miles shares openly what has led to this great divide, both within the church and across the country. He believes instead of choosing one of two sides, there is a third option, one that is proven to bring people together and promotes genuine peace. That's the third option, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more. We ask that you call to place an order at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. And now with the rest of today's study, here again is Pastor Ed. Let me give you one more verse. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Give God a chance to let this simmer into our hearts. I know you're facing perils right now and you've got a lot of things going on in your life. Let it be for the name and the sake of Jesus and endure. 
Notice what he says, verse 3, Hebrews chapter 12. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, as speaking of Jesus, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? He says in verse 11, it's so true, isn't it? Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Now, if you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can write right next to that. Amen. If you don't believe me, ask your kids. How do you like being disciplined? I love it, mommy. Give me more. No way. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What is heaven going to be like? Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll hear of a man who actually visited heaven as our study of 2 Corinthians continues. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 